Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back from the State Fair, Mackie and Judd was, okay, let me see if I got this straight. It was uh, Judd and Doogie, Chip Scoggins in, in hour one, and then it was just Judd and Doogie in hour two, and now Emmanuel Hill joins the show. Hello, Hi, sir. Manny. How, How are, are you? you? I'm good. good. I'm great. Very I'm great. Good. It's nice outside. We finally got a perfect day. Oh, my gosh. Yesterday, it's like it's like night and day from yesterday to today. Like, yesterday, we were sitting here for four hours, and we were just cold and freezing, and you had your hood actually up. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, it so, was cold yesterday. So we went in the morning at least. Monday incredibly humid. Tuesday raining and very cold. Mm-hmm. Wednesday just chilly. Yep. Today perfect. Now I did see that uh, our Channel Five Eyewitness News forecast says muggy again tomorrow. Oh boy. So I can't figure this whole whole thing out. <laughs> this has been. It's August in Minnesota, I guess. I know, but <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah, it's Minnesota, Judd. But, Max, since I started this show with Phil, we had a run, a long run of good luck here. Yeah. We got rained on. Royce and I got rained on the old Saturday show once or twice for sure. But I want to say up on the porch here, it's been really good. Hmm. And you so, would just do. That's all so it was. Friday we had Friday we had thunderstorms. Uh, Monday we had just heat. And, yep. then, and then rain, I think, during the ride with Royce probably. Yep. And then Tuesday, rain again. So, anyway. Uh, goal for football starts tonight, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, Chip Doogie and I spent much of our one delving into this subject. Uh, did our predictions? Chip goes um, has them going six and six. Okay. Doogie five and seven. I've got them losing a non-conference game to Fresno State, so going uh, two and one in non-conference. As did Doogie, and I've got them ending up only four and eight. So you got them two and seven in the Big Ten. Yes, but here's yeah. but here's my point about this. I fully expected that this team wouldn't be that good, mm-hmm. so I'm not surprised. And and I really think that Mulligan-wise, uh, PJ Fleck has th- has this year to work with. Yep. And then I think next year is when we need to start seeing the progress. And and this is going to be an evolution of sorts. So I'm not even saying the progress as in Big Ten West title or even close. I'm saying the progress as as in we know that PJ can sell the program. And we know he can talk, and we've been told that he can really coach. I think the coaching chops get a real potential, or should be should be showing by 2019. Yeah, and really, I'll even take it a step further, Judd. I think towards the end of this season, I think we need to start seeing this football team play better than what they were playing at the start. Like I don't, I don't, I'm like you. I'm not expecting a whole lot. I mean, you got a freshman, you got a true freshman quarterback starting. You know, that can go a lot of different directions. Um, you know, the schedule is not 
friendly. I mean, the home schedule, you, you should be able to win a couple of home games in the Big Ten. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's not the friendliest schedule in the world. And you have so much, you have so much, uh, you know, turnover, and you have so much youth on this team. So you you do have to go into this with with lower expectations. But from my standpoint, I want to see this team playing better football late in the year, even if they're losing games. I yep. want to see them playing better football later in the year than they are playing these first few weeks of the season, uh, because I think that's going to be a sign that they're progressing in the right direction. Now, I wrote a, a piece for our website last night. That got, of course, Gopher fans mad, which is the easiest thing in the history of the oh, world. Yeah. It's, getting it's, them, getting that select group mad is so simple. Royce will tell you that. And, yeah. and I don't know why. I don't I heard, know why. I heard they're mad that uh, we're all we're wearing all white tonight. The U of M. Oh, I did see yeah, that. Yeah, you see that. But we're doing that because New Mexico State had an issue with their. Yeah, they made that uniforms. very clear that it was because of that. Are they really mad about this? Yeah, they're they're, they're upset. The Gopher hole. I I, was, I saw a few things like Gopher hole. I, 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 you tell me. I don't know. But, I mean, okay, so they get on gopher hole. Do they give a reason for being upset about the – I mean, they've got 87 the jersey true, combinations. It's not the true colors where we should be wearing maroon at home. Oh, That's for what we are. Okay. These colleges wear the most ridiculous uniform combinations Try being now. an Oregon Ducks fan, okay, where they're wearing like 27 different you know what uniform I would do? combinations three. a year. Three combinations. Sure. That's all you get. Yep. You get three uni- – and, and, by the way, you can get – you can have fun, have a player's weekend – once a year or something, just wear, especially college. If you're a co- some of these college programs have great main jersey looks. Mm-hmm. Wear that jersey at yeah. home, and then wear the different one on the road. Uh, but anyway, so I I wrote a column, basically explaining that a year ago with Fleck, because he is a good salesman, there was talk about the program and intrigue about him. Right now, I think that's gone. Mm-hmm. And people, for the most part, know that this is not going to be a very good team. And so the ultimate point, though, of my column was I would love for one year for this to get to where we're all excited about this team. We're all excited about this sport. We all can embrace go for football, which for the most part is never the case. Yeah. And then, of course, you get your gopher fans saying, this team's going to be just fine. What are you talking about? You don't know. And they're delusional. We, we've been hearing that for right. Many, many, many decades, man. But I do, I, I really think, Manny, that we're at a point now where we're going to accept the fact that what you said is probably right. If they are, if in the second half of the season they just play well and, and they still get beat, what you can't have happen again, and I don't think that it will, is you can't get to your final two games against Northwestern and Wisconsin and get outscored 70 to nothing. Right. Like you need to, I yeah. think you're right. I think if you just show progress, a lot of us are going to say, okay, because the one thing that we were told continually when Fleck got the job is he is a hell of a football coach. Mm-hmm. But as I told Chip, you have to have the personnel to show that. Right. So you can't get here with with the roster that they had in 2017 and really coach that to the best of your abilities because a lot of that roster just can't execute what you want. I'm not expecting Zach Anikstad to, to be lighting up the scoreboard these first non-conference games even though these are going to be the easiest games on your schedule i'm not expecting him to go out and throw for a bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns early on but i want to see him play better i want to see him get better over the course of the season you give him a free pass i mean look he's a freshman so you can't you know he's a freshman and he's not vince young as a freshman so you can't expect him to go out and be this heisman looking uh player but 
you just you want to see growth and you want to see progression and overall with this program you want it that's that's what you want to see you can't eventually you're going to have to start putting out results you're going to have to start winning games and you alluded to it at the start of the segment next year is when we're really going to start needing to see these results you're going to have to start you have to find a way to win seven eight games next year and then the year after that, what are people going to expect? You win nine or ten games and contend for the conference title. I mean, that's that's how you build. That's how you build a successful program. You progress and you get better year by year. And you know, over the course of time, you might have a few years where you slip up and go back. You know, fall back a little bit. But you're going to have to recover from that as well. And look, I mean, PJ has sold us a lot of goods. Yep, he's done a lot of talking. I think he's doing the right thing by trying to hype the program up, um, especially right now when there's a lot of apathy. But go for football overall for 50 years, okay? Yeah. 50 years has, for the most part, done nothing. They've had a couple of nice years. They had a 10-win season with Mace where they won the Sun Bowl against Oregon. Jerry Kill took him to the Citrus Bowl a few years ago. Um, but you but, have, but, but outside of that, it, the program's done nothing. And yep. if you want to get people to show up to these games, and you want to get people in more enthused about it, you're going to have the diehards no matter what. But if you want to get more people, it's we got so many other sports in this town that you know you got to show and prove. And success is, in my mind, and they they have not tied for a Big Ten title since 1967. Success is a Big Ten title. 51 years, but I mean, don't man. give don't give me a nice bowl game. I want a Big Ten title. Yeah, and, and I want a Big Ten we've West title. Seen, we've already yeah. seen enough D- nice but, bowl games. You know, but don't but don't be don't be selling me on. Well, Judd, they went to the Citrus Bowl. It's January one. I don't care. If you're if we're going to talk success, if we're going to talk about reason to be excited about this program, and that was a I different a, coach. I need at the very the yes, and I need at the very <laughs> least a Big Ten West title, and I need you in Indianapolis playing in the Big Ten title game, and. Yeah. And that's what the expectation should be. Not this year, not next next year, but eventually that's what the expectation should be. I want you in the Rose Bowl and and not the college football playoff years, but I want you in the Rose Bowl. I want I always come back to this. Always. I want you to at least do what Northwestern did in the mid nineties. Because mm. if Northwestern can do it, you can do it. There's yeah. no reason on earth that you can't do it. And Wisconsin, I mean, look, look at what Wisconsin was before. When did Barry Alvarez get there? 1990, I think? 91-ish. 91-ish, yeah. yeah. And they were a, a dumpster fire. Yeah, they were a dumpster fire for decades before that. So don't tell me that it can't be done. Yep. But it is, but it is a matter of you have to go out and do it. And we're at a point now in this town with so many other sports teams that – are pulling interest away and pulling pulling you in and giving you know Vikings and Wolves and Twins and the Wild obviously. Yep. You you're you're having to compete with these teams for attention. You got to go out and you got to win games. You got to have some success. You can't just keep selling us every year. PJ can do this now for these first couple of years, but eventually he's going to have to deliver results. So uh, Rachel Blount of the Star Tribune had a story, I believe, on Monday on A1 about the fact that men's hockey, basketball, and football aren't selling tickets really and that that's a big concern and that what can they do to incentivize people what type of ticket packages can they put together to get people to the games and it's all really really simple just win at least for basketball and football just win games now hockey's got its own set of problems Mm -hmm. and hopefully Motsko being there will will help 
Uh, the Gophers, the Gopher people are tired of hearing about the switch to the Big Ten, but too bad. That caused a real problem. But when it comes to football and basketball, this is very simple, and I can tell you this because I, I, we've all seen it before. If Gopher men's basketball is good, that barn is packed, and it's mm-hmm. great, and it's fantastic, and it's packed. There's no question about it's packed. Yeah. Like, that's not a – if Gopher basketball gets good, are they going to draw? They will draw, and they will get eyeballs on them, and people will care. And, and, thing- and I think the same is true for football. The sad thing is I don't – I'm – don't know because I've never seen it. And the thing that they also have to realize is, I mean, look, the prices for these tickets have gone up substantially over the last decade or so Which in, in all of these sports. Yeah. And so you 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 can't you you can't be putting out a mediocre product while also bumping the prices up. And look, it's it, I mean, it's 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 the way our economy goes. You know, they do, prices go up for everything as we go through life. Um, but you. You can't do that and then put out a mediocre product and then be sitting there like, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't right. know why. I don't know why people aren't so well because there's other options. There's other options in town, and you know, I know you'd be hard pressed to ask ask them to lower ticket prices for. I mean, Judd, I I tried to go to a go for hockey game a couple of years ago. I think Notre Dame had come in to Mariucci, and it was like ninety bucks. I can take it. I can ninety dollars. I can tell you now that um, when I was when I was co-hosting the Lucia show with Wally Shaver, we got done with his show, and somebody was telling Don about the ticket prices down by the glass, and even his jaw dropped. Yeah, I mean they're charging NHL type of prices, but their and but their problem too is. I get I get so tired of them of them trying to say you know it's time to stop talking about the Big Ten. No, it's not you, you and it's it's not it's not your fault. I mean you can say it it's not our fault and you're right, but when it comes to the hockey product, uh, it's not time to stop until the fans decide it's time to stop and mm-hmm. they'll decide it's time to stop when they show it's up. It's not again. an excuse. It shouldn't be. But, it shouldn't but be an for excuse. football, this is the this is the frightening thing. I've followed this program since 1978. Mm-hmm. I'm 48 years old, and I reiterate, I've never seen them be really good. Yeah. I've seen them improve and get better, and I've seen them go to bowl games. The issue now is that, and, and I love this talk this year, that the Gophers could go to a bowl game. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. If they, you know, you can go to a bowl game, what, last time I checked, by winning five games, if not enough six-win teams, if not enough teams trigger six wins like because of your quick lane bowl because of your ago. grade point average or something, yeah. Yeah. you know, give me a break. Don't ever, ever, ever come to me and say we went to a December twenty third bowl. So there, because I'll tell you that's a bunch of BS. And if you make that a, a big deal to your kids, you're lying to them. Yeah, you know, go for. I'm forty eight years old and they have never been good, really. You know, the the frustrating thing too is you think about the years that the 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 best years that they've had. So like in the last. What would you say are the, the the best seasons of Gopher football in the last like thirty years? Probably the ten win season in 03, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Mace, the, yeah, Mace has a few of them. The, the, the Citrus Bowl a couple of years ago was a pretty good year. Yeah. But even in those years, my point is this: even in those years, you look at it and say, "Man, if they hadn't lost that one game." Oh yeah, oh, it Ma- could have been. It could have been. They would have been in the Rose Bowl if they don't lose that Michigan game. What's Mace famous for? The most ghastly chokes possible. Yes. Yeah, I mean that the, the Two best different years the best me. years of Mace. We always recall what Michigan, Wisconsin with the punter. Mm-hmm. That's Texas a, that's, Tech. Yeah, Texas, Texas Tech, Tech in the yeah. ball game, which helped get him fired. Northwestern at the dome. Yeah. where Zach Kustak throws a hail mary to win at the end. 
and the Gophers were up by three touchdowns at the end uh, in the second and half this of that is, game. And this is a guy who, in the last thirty years, easily had the most sustained success because mm-hmm. Kill Kill's tenure was pretty brief, ultimately. But Mace was here for an extended period of time and actually had for that program some success. But what's the thing we always come back to? The ultimate meltdowns. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and and think about what think think about this too. And I'm sure you and Phil have talked about this on this show several times over the years. Think about what a Rose Bowl birth in 2003, how that could have completely changed the landscape of that program. Oh, Mace is here for how much longer than completely? Well, that, and, and that was the difference your pop, of one game. That's your pop-up game, but that's the pop-up season I'm talking about. Then, right? I'm not even. And that's and when that when you have that when you have that opportunity, you've got to take it. And I'm not you've even got to take it. Talking, so I'm not even discussing sustained success, which ultimately would be the best thing. I'm talking about from 1978, the first time I watched these guys to now. I would argue they've never had that one season where you're just like, oh my god, this is fun, and this is this is why people love college football. Yeah, and and PJ has got to you know. Look, PJ took Western Michigan to the Cotton Bowl, and they almost won that game. So we we know it's possible, but it's just at at some point he's got to he's got to start delivering. And at some point, all of the selling that he's doing, and I'm in favor of it. I have no problem with it. I yeah. know the guy the guy whose show I produce in the afternoons. I know he gets tired of it, and I know he thinks a lot of it's crap, you know. But I'm on board with it. But Eventually, PJ's got to start giving us, and we're very early, but he's got to start giving us some results here. Start, and it's got to start. We got to start seeing if he the progress of it. If he doesn't, Manny Hill, there's a fighting chance that I die without this program ever having popped up. If this doesn't work, because he's going to get some time here. Yeah, he, he'll get some time. He's going to take me into my fifties. <laughs> if he fails miserably, <laughs> then you're talking about another another coach coming in with a plan. I'm getting and into that. Have to get I'm getting coach. into that murky area now. Right. Well, and that's the thing: is you change coaches, especially with college football, you change coaches. You always have to give that guy two or three years. Yes. To, you know, and so PJ, make P- it work. PJ's got. I want to see man. one good season. I want to see one year in Pasadena. I don't need a college football playoff. Uh, let's take a break. Come back. Smalley uh, coming up as well. The show is Mackie and Judd. Right now, it's Judd and Manny from the Minnesota State Fair. The sights, the sounds, the smells. Live. The State Fair on 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd, which right now is Judd and Manny from the porch here at the State Fair right near the grandstand. If you want to check us out, uh, we will be on until 1 o'clock. Roy Smalley right around the corner. Manny Hill, I want to pile on uh, the Green Bay Packers. In light, <laughs> in light of the fact that Aaron Rodgers now has signed a rich new contract that will almost certainly keep him with that franchise until uh, he is around the age of 40 when he signs with the Vikings when he signs with the Vikings I want to give I want to give you I want to present to you some facts about the Packers and I want to ask you if we should just be as, as a Vikings town flat out jealous or amazed by what is somewhat ineptitude and here's what I'm talking about go Pack, go thank you James Murphy uh, Brett Favre was traded from the New York Jets to the Green Bay Packers. Ron Wolf, the GM of the Packers, acquired him in 1992. Uh, I went back the Falcons. And, from the, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Falcons. Falcons. Yep. The Falcons. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I went back today and looked this up. Since 1992, the Green Bay Packers have had 21 seasons, and this is over the course of 26 years now, mm-hmm. 21 seasons in which they've finished above 500. 
two seasons at 500, leaving only three in which they've been a sub-500 team. They have made 18 playoff appearances in that time. They have won two Super Bowls and lost one. And here's my question. In that time, of course, the Vikings have had numerous quarterbacks, an endless stream, veterans and youngsters. And NFC fa- Championship and game losses. Brett and- Favre. But as a Vikings town, should we be in awe of the fact that this franchise has essentially had, for the most part, two quarterbacks and that much regular season success and making the playoffs? Or is it astounding that they remain at only two Super Bowl titles in that time with one for Favre and one for Rodgers? I think it is more I think it's more astounding that they have only won two. Considering you have two of the greatest quarterback not like not just two really good quarterbacks, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Mm-hmm. One who is probably the most physically gifted, physically talented quarterback we've probably ever seen in terms of just arm strength, arm talent, and the ability to move around in the pocket. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is as close to a perfect quarterback as you could want. Um, yeah, it is a little astonishing to me that they've only won two. And, and especially, like, lately, I, I think about, like, how good Rodgers has been. Yep. And think about this is – it's been seven – they're seven years removed from when they won the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers when they beat the Steelers in, in, in Arlington. Yes. That was 2011. Um. And, and it's not like they haven't had teams that were good enough since then to win the Super Bowl. And, and you look at just the the NFC Championship loss to Seattle where they had that game in the, in the bag and found a way to blow that one. They got blown out by Atlanta in the title game a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm pretty astonished that they've only found their way, not so much that they've only won two Super Bowls, but that they've only appeared in three total in that in that time. I would agree completely. And to your point, I guess I'm almost more surprised that Rodgers has not had more success. Favre in the 90s at times, I mean, at times he was an MVP and he was fantastic. But there yeah. were also times where he was, he could be a train wreck. Mm-hmm. And so Brett's up and down and, and ill-timed passes uh, certainly cost the Packers, as it did the Vikings in the 2009 title game uh, in New Orleans. But when you think about Rodgers and his, his mechanics and his accuracy and, he doesn't and precision. Choke. And he did right. He doesn't choke. If you were to if, if you had if I had sat you down after the Super Bowl win in Arlington against Pittsburgh and said, Manny, here's the deal. They're not even going to get to another one and we're going to be going into the two thousand eighteen season, I think you would have said, You're crazy. This team's gonna get to it. Now they might not yeah. win it, but they're gonna get to a Super Bowl. And they haven't. Yeah. So as much success as they've had and as envious as Vikings fans should be over the fact that they've had such stability at quarterback unless uh, Aaron gets hurt, but the stability is still incredible to go to go with essentially two starters from 92 to now. But when you look at the fact and put it in context that it has not resulted in at least a few more Super Bowl titles and or appearances, it is surprising. It is, and, and but then on the flip side you think about how – they looked as a football team last year when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. They were a completely different football team. They were yeah. awful. Well, and awful. And I'm not blaming Aaron. Oh, of course not. Because I blame Ted. I blame Ted Thompson. I don't know how you have that crappy of defense for that long and yeah. accept it. Yeah, I, it, I, I, I just, I, yeah, it, it, it's amazing to me just how, how much, it, it shows you how good he is, but it also shows you 
how inept they've been just as an organization in terms of surrounding him with you should be able to you should be able to if you're a real contender you should be able to to win a, a few games if Aaron Rodgers has to sit out for three or four games you should be able to find a, you should be able to have a roster good enough to win two of which those. is why the Saints traded for Teddy yeah because they said exactly that yeah. they said we have a Super Bowl team here but I think the thing that teams are learning now more and more is you have to have a backup quarterback who can do what you just said. The Keenum thing is off the charts. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's fair to put in your backup quarterback and say, go in 12 games or so. But I do think it's very realistic to say, can we get a quarterback who, if our guy goes down, can win three or four or two or three? Yeah. Well, and and the other thing with the Packers, too, is, you know, I I look back, you look back at the Favre years, and and we honestly never would have known what that team would have looked like if, if Favre ever got hurt because he... He never missed games. He never got injured. But then, but then again, you look back at those teams. And Hello, you look Doug at, Peterson, Manny. Yeah. Well, well. But think about it, though. You had Mark Brunel was there at one point. Yep. He eventually became a, a pretty good starting Hasselbeck. quarterback. Hasselbeck was there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Doug Peterson went to Philadelphia and was like a bridge guy for McNabb for one year. But you know, you you, you tend to look back at those teams with Favre, and you would think, well, if Brett would have missed two or three games. You know, and Holmgren was coaching back then. They probably would have been okay. They probably would have would have been able to survive that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that that's the biggest difference between the Favre era and the Rogers era. Let's talk Twins next with Roy Smalley. It is Judd and Manny from the Minnesota State Fair. The Great Minnesota Get Together on fifteen hundred ESPN. Phil Mackey. Poke it out of the bunker, two putt for a 10. You lost the course. And then I lit myself on fire. Judd Zolgad. Am I just getting old and super cranky or old and sort of cranky? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Now. Now. With former twins great turned FSN analyst Roy Smalley. Ground ball right side, base hit. Forsyth scores, Rosario coming around. The throw from Cabrera is cut off, and the throw to third gets Sano. But two-run score with Grossman delivering a big two-out hit, and the Twins have their first lead of the series. And that, of course, was the key hit last night as the Twins uh, beat Cleveland. They'll finish the series uh, today. Judd and Manny at the State Fair. Roy Smalley on the phone. Roy, of course, worked uh, that series for the first two games at least between the Indians and the Twins for Fox Sports North. And let's start there, sir. Uh, As you travel with this team and observe them, and and obviously there have been a lot of changes made and and the hope of a potential playoff spot now is long gone, what's your your observation of the mentality of a team that doesn't have playoff aspirations but certainly I'm sure has lots of guys who are aware of the fact that they're playing for potential roster spots for 2019? Well, I think that... The message is pretty clear um, to uh, players that um, that the front office and the manager are looking at everybody. I mean, the the, the season went awry, and it, the, I, if you're a player, you got to think that people are going to be looking to fix it. You know, whatever went awry, and you fix it with figuring out who's in and um, and who you know what positions they need to. You know to go um, to go fill. So mm-hmm. I think I I, I think the uh, the objective in the clubhouse is pretty clear. They're uh, they're trying to win games and they're trying to each each guy's trying to get better. I've got a a um, fundamentals of baseball question for you, and, and I don't know if there's an answer here or not. But when I watch uh, Buxton or Kepler 
uh, play the outfield. I take it for granted that they're just really good. Uh, when I watch Jake Cave, he, and I'm not even saying he's bad. I'm just saying there's some plays where he either is over-aggressive or something happens and the ball get, gets away. Grossman had the same thing happen on the ball last night that went, that went off the fence, and I'm sure that's an incredibly tough play. But is there something different they should be doing? Because there are certain plays, especially with Cave, where when he misses or doesn't make the play, it's really glaring and uh, and potentially destructive if the Twins were a more competitive team, at least in the division race. You know, I can't answer that uh, definitively. I, 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 some guys are, you know, terrific defensive players, and and some guys are, uh, you know, not as not as good as others. And I don't I don't know that we've seen uh, the definitive answer about you know, Jake Cave. Specifically, I, I really don't. Um, he, he has talent to play the outfield. We've seen that. He's aggressive, but you like that. Uh, sometimes it looks like his aggressiveness gets him into situations where uh, it, uh, it is a little overly so. I'm reminded, you know, because I grew up in L.A. in this era, you know, the great John Wooden, the UCLA basketball coach, said one of his primary tenets, you know, for basketball, basketball players was be quick but don't hurry and it it looks like um you know sometimes uh players could do well to to have really really learned that lesson and and i think what we've seen from jake sometimes is is uh, a little bit of uh over aggressiveness and you know being in a hurry rather than than staying with staying within his 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 ability and his quickness maybe Roy, it's Manny talking with you now. Um, I got a question for you about Miguel Sano. How has he looked uh, from your standpoint or from your viewpoint since he uh, since he was called back up to the club? It seems like he's been kind of up and down. I know he had a hit a hit a massive home run in the Oakland series over the weekend. Um, he was 0 for 4 last night. had a, had a had a tough outing last night. But what's your overall thoughts on on how he's looked since he came back? He looks like he's Lost a little bit of weight, which is a good sign. But uh, what's your overall assessment of Miguel now since he's been back? Well, you know, I'm I'm not exactly um, I'm not exactly sure uh, to tell you the truth. Um, I uh, he has it's it's a bit frustrating uh, for me. Not that it. Not that I matter at all, but I, I, I just I, I like players. I like talented players. I like twins players, and and I and I want them to do well. And and it, what's frustrating to me is I look at this this massive talent that he has, and I think about uh, what if he adopted a hitting approach like uh, Miguel Cabrera, because I think he has Miguel Cabrera type of talent and strength. Uh, what if he adopted a hitting approach like like Kirby Puckett, who Learned that if he set up to hit every fastball to right center field, uh, a lot of fastballs would go against or over the right center field fence, and he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, be uh, massively fooled on uh, on breaking balls. Uh, the breaking ball he would he would take breaking ball balls, and he would hit breaking ball strikes nine miles to left field, and and that's the way he built his career. And you know, Miguel Sano is still is still young, and he hasn't had. He hasn't had enough at bats yet to to know one way or the other whether his style is is going to work. But when you have the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark to all parts of the field, not everybody is blessed with that. And when you can hit the ball out of the ballpark to your opposite uh, gap, 
then you have the, you, you've been blessed with the ability to wait longer on the ball and not have to be uh, not have to be fooled and not have to you know be in a hurry to get the uh, bat head out in front on fastballs and, and all that kind of stuff and and so I I for one you know have always and this is not the first time you guys on on this show uh, have um, have heard this from me but, but I haven't seen you know that change so much when he came back it looked like he was making some progress. Uh, wait on the ball longer, watching it a little bit longer, uh, and uh, lately he has uh, he's gone back to um, what we saw before uh, he uh, he went to Fort Myers. So I'm not exactly I'm not exactly sure, but I, I where he's going. But um, I, I know it, it hasn't been a it hasn't been a complete move to uh, to the Miguel Cabrera side. Let's put let's put it that way. Roy, your restraint in that answer was absolutely admirable. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, okay, okay. Let's let's broaden let's broaden this out to not pick on people. Let's pick on let's pick on the league right now uh, because Miguel does this, but this is this is done all over the place now, and it's actually accepted. Who is going to be the first manager, hitting coach, executive to get back into baseball and explain to these kids? Striking out's not okay because striking out to me gives you a pass on fundamentals. And, and I mean the approach that you're talking about, which is which is to have an approach. It's almost like this new thing of well, strike out or hit hit a home run. That's fine. Both results are fine. The strikeout portion allows you the freedom to be like, well, I swung hard. I tried. I didn't hit it. Where I think what you're talking about, and and this should be the big league mentality because you're paid millions of dollars and you're a professional. The mentality should be: I went to the plate with an approach. Is that correct? Well, it is for me. Um, you know, I've been uh, I've been called old school and and um, and and behind the times and and um, you know and and maybe maybe that's right. You know, I I'm not exactly sure. I know that um, I, I I could not have survived, you know, doing it uh, doing it that way, and not and 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 not tried to do something a little bit uh, a little bit different, but but that's not the way the game is uh, is being played right now. And I actually think that uh, things are a little backwards. People are talking about launch angle and all that, as if someone has decided what the proper launch angle is, and then has is teaching everybody or has gotten the news out to all young players that this is the the path the bat has to travel. Uh, really uh, uh, focusing on launch angle rather than uh, where the big end of the bat needs to be on a consistent basis to uh, catch up with a big league fastball. And, and uh, you know, frankly, Ted Williams said it, it way back when, he said, you know, the, the, the lower pitches, pitches below the belt, need to be hit with a slight uppercut, and the pitches above the belt need to be hit uh, with a, a slight downward or, or chopping motion. And so... I really, I still think that's true, and it really is just a question of, you know, clearly for the most part, uh, guys now as as pitchers try to throw, keep the ball down the strike zone, guys are going to be swinging up at the ball a little bit. But it really, it it depends on, you know, how long the the bat, even with an uppercut swing, how long the bat stays in the hitting zone, and and how consistently 
it, 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 it gets brought to the contact point with the, uh, with the fastball. So I, uh, primarily. So I think there's still a lot of work to be done on, uh, on deciding what the, what the proper way to hit is. And I, I don't know what's, to your point, I, I don't know what's, what's going to cause that to uh, change. I don't know if there's any amount of failure um, if everybody's doing the same thing that will that will make a change it, it will just be eight degrees of some guys you know do, <laughs> failing less less often do, do we need do we almost need to see like another version of like tony gwynn to to come on to major league baseball to sort of a guy who's not looking to hit the ball over the fence all the time he's looking to just get on base and hit for a decent average it's because it seems like that part of it is really starting to go away from the game today well that's a wonderful that's a wonderful point it's a wonderful player to bring up as, as an example of of the point that uh that you're making and and you know maybe you know maybe they will um maybe there will be somebody like that that does come along and and convince uh, mainly the players, you know, that that that's the, you know, that's the 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 best way to hit. And I don't want to get rid of. I don't want to make everybody a Tony Gwynn right. wannabe. I mean, I I love home runs as much as as much as anybody. And I want guys to hit the ball in the ballpark. It's it's exciting and it's uh, it's important to uh, you know to lineups to have guys that can do that. And and you know, so I, I I'm not I'm not advocating. I'm not advocating that, but all of the best hitters that that I ever saw—George Brett and uh, Don Mattingly, guys that could could hit for average and hit the ball out of the ballpark. Miguel Cabrera, more recently, Kirby Puckett—all uh, those guys. It was the launch angle, the certain launch angles that we would now uh, gladly, uh, you know, flaunt up on and talk about had to do with where the pitches were. Uh, and it wasn't uh, by design that there was a certain launch angle. It, 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 the best hitters that hit for average and home runs were the guys that could uh, bring the big end of the bat, as I said, into the in the contact with the, with the ball, with, whether it was a low pitch or a high pitch, with the greatest amount of uh, efficiency and consistency. And I, that's you know that's what we're looking for in hitters. And and with Miguel Roy, what's sad to me about about what's uh, transpired in 2018 for him is there's just so much more there potentially. If he well, went, that's, you're right, and and that's, that's, what why, I say, that's why it's you. so frustrating for me to look at that. And and again, I will say, it, it's not it's not my job to be frustrated about it. It's, it's none of my doggone business, I suppose. But but I look at that kid sure, and I like gonna him watch a it lot. Too? I'm sorry. I said yes, but you you have to watch it too, and you played this game and know a lot about it. So I think you're completely justified. I'm frustrated, and I couldn't make the big leagues in my wildest dreams. So I think. <laughs> well, you're what I, the reason frustrated. I'm saying what what frustrates me is frustrated for him and that talent. Yeah. He's got marvelous talent. Uh, he's got he's got marvelous strength. Um, he's he's really a good kid. I I think I I, li- I like him a lot, and I just I want the best for him. I want him to be an absolute superstar. I think he has that kind of ability, and I and I hope he can I hope he can get fi- get it figured out at this level as to what's going to work for him. I mean, it'd be a, it would be just a, just an absolute shame if if that can't happen. Absolutely. Thanks, Roy. Talk right, to you next week. Take care. Thanks, Roy. All right. 
Royce Molly, always a great baseball conversation. Uh, catch his work on a regular basis on Fox Sports North. He's just fantastic at breaking down and explaining the game, and he's completely right to be frustrated because Miguel Sano's got so much more there, and right now he doesn't seem to get that, and he's actually uh, regressed again after popping up for a nice little stretch after coming back from uh, Rochester AAA. Let's take a break. I want to come back, Manny Hill. There's something, there's something old school in baseball that's, that's actually driving me crazy, and I want to okay. run this past you. Baseball is screwing up continually with a stupid old school rule. We'll talk about that next. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They live in the sewer. Yes, they do. And enjoy it. (laughs) They relish in it. Mackey and Judd. And the way they walk with their back end up in the air, that's just plain evil. (laughs) It's just gross. On 1500 ESPN. TCL Broadcast Studio today is the uh, Minnesota State Fair. We're up here on the porch right by the grandstand. Garage Logic coming up at 1 o'clock. Then, of course, the ride with Royce after that. Sports Talk, actually, after that. Then the ride with Patrick. Um... All right, Manny Hill. There's some new school baseball stuff that drives me crazy. This It's beginning to make me more and more angry that the strikeout's accepted because I think it, it allows players to have zero approach. Mm-hmm. Launch angle's not an approach. It's a goal. Just go out there and swing away. Yeah, kid, exactly. Basically, yeah. Uh, but here's something that baseball has to change, and they should change it immediately. It makes no sense, and it's becoming more and more ridiculous. The pitcher win rule. Now, Phil yeah. would like to eliminate it completely, but I think for baseball statistical sake, they're not going to do that. Right. But this whole thing about still having to pitch five innings is stupid. <laughs> this whole thing about I'm the opener, so I start the game, and now the real starter comes in after I get, let's say, three outs or four outs, and now he can get the win if he's in when, I, when we take the lead because once the starter leaves, all bets are off for the guy who can get the win. Let's just give it to the official score to make up his mind, her, her mind. Uh, but this five innings rule is just beyond stupid. And if you want to yeah. give this stat, and I'm not trying to say that this stat is going is going to carry great significance in 2018 because it's just not. But the notion that you still, that you have to, if you start the game, that you have to go five innings has become archaic, dumb, misguided, and should just be changed immediately. Especially when you don't have to go five innings to get credited with a loss. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it I makes mean, if you start, if, if a guy starts a game and goes two innings and gives up a couple of runs, and those are the only runs that are scored in the game, he gets credit. He gets credited with a loss, even if he only goes, you know, one or two innings in that game. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's at the end of the day, do wins matter as much today as they did, you know, even 10, 12 years ago? No, but it's still it's still a stat. It's still something that's counted. It's still, you know, when you're thinking about guys that go into the Hall of Fame, you're still that's still something that you're talking about, you know, when guys are going into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I, you know, I, I just don't. I don't think a guy should have to go five innings in order to be credited with a win when he doesn't have to go five innings to get credit for a loss. And so. especially now when, when it's very common for a guy to, let's say, go four and a third or something. Right. Yeah. And that's especially just a strategy. Today, yeah. And by the way, that's a strategy I'm fine with. Yeah. Because there's an approach there. The, thing, the things about baseball that, are, that bug me more are when there's no approach and it's called an approach. And that's why Roy, Roy on the Snow thing is 1,000% correct to be frustrated yes Miguel Sano has so much more there and for him now to have to be told if you strike out if you go to the plate and you don't really care about pitch selection and you just try and get one pitch and hit a home run and if you don't and you strike out that's fine 
if Miguel Sano was a really strong hack, I'd be like, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we've all seen through the years, this is not new. Having really strong hacks in baseball is not new. We've seen those before. But we've seen Miguel Sano. And the, the uh, comparison to Cabrera now seems to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But there was a time when we watched him at the plate and we yeah. said, oh, I can see it. Well, I want to see that again, and he is so far away from that, and it seems like he gets up here, and he's just got this, I'm going to be Adam Dunn approach, and that's getting such a small, small amount of what he's capable of out of him. And let's be real here. Miguel Sano ain't winning any gold gloves anywhere anytime soon. So his value is going to be as a hitter and we know how talented he is as a hitter he has the ability to be miguel miguel cabrera's a hack defensively but who cares and he guess what? you yeah. didn't care neither did i yeah so I, I mean if he's gonna play third base or first base and again it kind of goes back to what i was saying about buxton yesterday if you're gonna have him in the lineup every day he's got to be able he's got to be able to hit and if he's not going to play good defense for you and he's only going to hit 205 and strike out three times a day what good is he to you what good is he to you playing every day? I mean, and it's and, just such and a colossal waste of talent. And, and with Buxton, the issue with Buxton is that he's Buxton is not. And Royce's brought this up a few times. Buxton is not a natural hitter. So as a hitter, he's got to he's got to develop something. Miguel just has to give a damn. Yeah. In terms of hitting, he is a natural. He has natural hitting ability. He just has to give a damn about it. And right now, it just it's we're not seeing that consistent effort that consistent approach every time he comes to the plate he's just out there just recklessly swinging at everything and if you're like Roy and you played this sport and you played it really well but you see a guy like Sano who has God-given ability that's cer- crazy that certainly trumps your ability it would drive you nuts. Drives, you, drives you crazy yeah. all right let's take a break come back uh questions of significant importance from James Murphy are coming up next Mackie and Judd right now is Judd and Manny on the porch at the great Minnesota get-together Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN.